0: Thank you for joining us this morning. We are glad you are here. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. We're going to read from verse 11 to 17. I'm going to focus on, on verse 11 to 17. If you are joining us for the first time, I just want you to know that here at Southside we believe that the Bible is the word of God. And since we are God's children, each one of us who believes in Jesus, then the Bible, say it with me, is God's word for us. Father, we come before you this morning acknowledging your presence once again, praying that the Holy Spirit whom you've given us may enable us to understand your word and to receive it as your word and to apply it in our own lives and that, Father, you may accomplish what you intend to accomplish through your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in John, I mean in Luke chapter seven, from verse eleven, we are told soon afterward Jesus went to a town called Nine and Nine. And his disciples in the large crowd went along with him. You should know that Jesus had been doing miracles after miracles, and uh, those miracles are attracting people. People are excited, crowds are excited because of the miracles. So they, they are following Jesus together with his disciples. When he enters this town, Jesus. We are told in verse, in verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. There is a funeral procession going on, a procession of tears and grief. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So, there are two crowds here. One is grieving. Another one is rejoicing. They come together. A dead person is being carried to the burial. The only son of her mother, who is also a widow. This woman has lost her husband. And now she has lost her only son. You should know that in this culture, women didn't work. They depended on their husbands. And in case the husband died, the woman would depend on her son. And now that the son is also dead, it means that she is going to be a beggar. So her life has turned upside down. She's probably soaked in her own tears. She feels lonely even though she's surrounded by friends and families. If you have lost a loved one, then you can identify with this woman. You know that the pain never goes away. Sometimes when you have people around you, people that have had similar experiences, they they can be of help. They can help you grieve. They are able to empathize with you. But even with their help, the pain, the sorrow will still be there. And so, in verse 13, when the Lord saw her, Jesus saw this grieving mother. His heart went out to her. He was moved with compassion. He empathized with her. He felt her pain. And he said, don't cry. If you're using a different version, it says don't weep. Now, when you hear that, it sounds uncaring. How can you tell a woman who has lost her husband and has just lost her only son not to cry? It sounds insensitive. We encourage people to cry when they are grieving. We don't stop them from crying. But Jesus, moved with compassion, he tells this woman, Don't cry. And if this sounds insensitive to you, then it's because you don't know Jesus. Because if you have the slightest idea about Jesus, then you should know that when he says, don't cry, it's because he knows what he is doing. When he says, don't cry, he knows what he's doing. Let me give you some insights here about Jesus so that you can be familiar with him. When he says, don't cry, when he comes to us, to our lives, and he sees our tears and our grief and our pain, and he tells us, don't cry. One, it is because... He knows that he is in control. It's not because he is overlooking your pain, ignoring your sorrow. It is because he knows that he is in control. If you know Jesus, then you should know that when he says don't cry, it is because he is compassionate. He can feel your pain. He can identify with what you are going through. When he says don't cry, it is because he identifies with your pain. But here is, here is a good one. If you know Jesus, if you have an idea about him, then you know also that when he says don't cry, Don't weep. It is because he knows the end of the story. Do you know one of the reasons we are so worried is because we we are not sure about the end? One of the reasons that we are so impatient is because we cannot see tomorrow. If one of you knew that tomorrow you would win a lottery, you would be jumping here today in expectation. That knowledge will affect your behavior today. You will start promising us big things today. (laughs) One of the reasons we worry and we... We are impatient is because we are limited. But because of Jesus, we have every reason to rejoice, to be grateful, not to cry, not because we know the end of the story, but because he knows the end of the story. I'm referring to when we are going through some difficulties in our lives. Look at verse 14 and 15. He tells this grieving mother, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer they were carrying him on. The bearer stood still. So probably this woman was asking herself, "Why are you?" Not? Maybe she didn't even listen to him when he said, "Don't cry." And so Jesus takes another step. He, he moves towards the dead person, the dead young man. And he touches the buyer. You know, in this culture, they don't use coffins. The buyer is just supposed to carry the dead body. And when the body is buried, that buyer is returned, waiting for another person to die. He touches it. The bearers stop. Everything stands still. And then Jesus speaks to the dead person. He says, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now you know that when he says, don't cry, it's because he is in control. It is because he knows how the story ends. He speaks to the dead and the dead hear his voice. He calls on to them and they respond to him. Probably when he was speaking to him because people like thinking they may have thought he was a madman. They may have thought he didn't know what he was doing. How can you speak to a dead person? But again, If you know about Jesus, if you have the slightest idea about him, then you know that he knows what he is doing. And the dead hear his voice. If you are here and you're one of the people who take life for granted, You should read this passage. Because every time we see death, it reminds us of the fragility of life. And some of us, yeah, we probably know about death and we believe about it, but we have hopes and most of us expect that we will die at an old age. You don't know that. I don't know that. And this passage is a reminder that life is not in our control. If this passage is not enough, I will let me take you back to 2020. The experience that we had in 2020 should be enough. To convince you that life is not in your control. Jesus speaks, and the dead hear his voice. And you know, one day you and I will be dead. And Jesus will speak and we will hear his voice. We are told in First Thessalonians four sixteen and 17, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise fast. And after that, we who are still alive are left and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. See, as Christians, we have this hope in us. That's why we grieve differently. We know there is death, but we also know there is victory. And even in our death, we know that one day Jesus Christ will call on us and we will rise. This is the kind of Jesus that the Bible wants us to know. And when he tells us not to cry, it is because he knows the end of the story. That's the comfort that he brings. He comes to our lives, he sees our tears, he sees our pain, he sees our deep sorrow, and he brings comfort. The comfort that we need. Look at verse 16 and 17. Jesus gives back the son to his mother Verse 16, they were all filled with, how do you pronounce that word? Oh. Oh. And praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And we are told this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. These people saw what happened and they said, A great prophet has appeared among us. And No, he is more than a prophet. God has come to help his people. Something was going on here. Something is happening in their lives, in the life of this woman. The people that were grieving with her, their sorrow has been turned into joy. Their tears of sorrow have now turned into tears of joy. And they have a revelation. God has come to help his people. Emmanuel that's what we celebrate in christmas we don't celebrate christmas because jesus was born on 25th of december we celebrate christmas because he was born because in jesus God has come to help his people. This means that in Jesus Christ, God is looking observantly, visiting people, bringing comfort and relief and deliverance and hope. He has come down to help his people. John chapter 1 verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That is Jesus. The word became flesh and tabernacle among us. God looked at us and he said, what am I going to do? If I go the way I am, no one will live. So for me to be with them, I am going to take on the form of a person so that I can go down and help my people in Christ God has come to help his people. Now, some of us have still struggled to see see Jesus as God. We, We still have that struggle. You should listen to these people here. They are telling us that in Jesus Christ, God has come down. And he has come down with a purpose to help. One of the things that uh, this culture discourages is asking for help. Because you are expected to be self sufficient. It's, it's almost a shame to ask for help. And because of that, we have people who are suffering because they are afraid of asking for help. And so the idea of God helping is not so much welcome. It's not something we want to entertain because if God has come down to help his people, it means that his people are in need of help. It also means that they cannot help themselves. And that is not an idea that a typical American would entertain. But when we come before the Lord we need to realize that we are helpless. In fact, without him we are hopeless. Without him we are nothing. And so, let this be an encouragement to you. Instead of hiding Protecting yourself and trying to appear as if you are all set. Allow the Lord and his people to minister to you. You see, it's it's interesting that in this culture, people are so willing to help others, but they are not willing to receive help. I don't understand that. Like it's so easy for someone to invite you for dinner than for you to invite them. (laughs) It's easier for people to buy you something, but they won't want you to buy it for them. I don't understand that. If you buy something for me, I will take it as a challenge. And that we look for an opportunity to revenge. (laughs) And I think that's how it should be. We should be willing to give help and to receive help as well. And especially as a family of God we should be willing and looking for opportunities to help one another and to receive help from one another. And if you are tempted to reject, resist help from others, you need to turn to the Lord and ask him to help you. To help you so that you can be able to receive help from others. Because as a family of God, that's that's what we need to do. We need to give and to receive. In, in, in Christ, God has come to help his people. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. He is God's revelation to us. Through him, we see the Father. Through him, we have everything that we need from the Father. He may not heal or even raise our loved ones. He may not heal our diseases, but he will comfort us. And in his own way, he will turn our tears of sorrow into tears of joy. That is why it is very important to always turn to him. You know, if, if we don't find our comfort in God, if we don't turn to him for our comfort, our comfort will cause, our, our, our grief will control us. I know people that have never moved on in their lives because the grief that they experienced is controlling them. And you know, grief, sorrow, pain, disappointment has a way of controlling us. And you know how it does? We begin to look at life from the perspective of the grief. We begin to look at life from that grief. And when you do that, all you continue to see is continuous sorrow and pain and discouragement and hopelessness. Now Christ In Christ, God has come to help us. And one way he helps us, especially when we are going through difficult experiences and painful situations and grief and deep sorrow, is beginning to see that same sorrow from his perspective. So we don't look at our sorrow, we look at Jesus, and then we allow that perspective to define how we see our sorrows. And when that happens, you will realize that things are so different. This is what happened with the disciples. When they were at the, they were on the boat, and they were facing the waves, and then Jesus appeared, they saw a figure of a person walking on water, and Jesus, seeing that they were afraid, he said, It is I, don't be afraid. Again, he tells them not to be afraid because he knows that he is in control. And the disciples, when they realized it was Jesus everything changed. The waves were still there. The wind was still blowing. But now that Jesus is there, everything changed. Every time we look at our situations from the perspective of God, we will see it differently. Every time we look at one another from God's perspective, we will see one another differently. One of the reasons that we struggle to love people, that we find it difficult to love people, is because we don't see them from God's perspective. If you have a struggle of loving me, it's because you're not seeing me from God's perspective. Now, the reality is, I do have reasons not to be loved. Sometimes I'm too strict. I've been told that. So I I do have reasons why you shouldn't like me. I can be very critical. But all those reasons should not stop you because you need to see me from God's perspective. That sister, that brother of yours, that neighbor, that co-worker that you find it so difficult to love, ask yourself, what is it that you focus on when you see them? And you will realize that you focus on who they are and what they do. Can you start praying for that person and see how God will begin to transform your perspective? Because every time we allow him to influence how we see life, it changes everything. I see this with people. You know, I was talking about Marilyn and Victoria who are going through pain, but they still can find time to practice and to come and lead us here. And they're going through pain. And I know I know people who are going through pain but because of Christ they still can afford a smile there is still joy in them because this Jesus is God who has come to help his people If you ask me or if you are asking so Pastor Valerian what makes Jesus so great Thank you for asking. (laughs) Jesus is so great because in him, God has come to help his people. That's what we see. And that is the good news that we have. The good news is that in Christ we have God's help. If you are here and Jesus is not your savior, This is the message that we have for you. That in Jesus Christ, we have God's help. In Jesus Christ, we have the salvation that is given freely to us. In Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. We have his grace. And in times of trouble, we have his comfort. If Jesus is not your savior... Consider turning to him. He loves you. That's why he came and died on the cross. So that through him, you can have the help that God provides. Consider turning to him. And for those of us, some of us here may not be grieving the loss of a loved one. We are grieving the loss of relationships. We have among us men, women who have been rejected, who have been betrayed, and are finding it difficult to trust again. You are grieving the loss of relationships. Turn to the Lord. He has a way of comforting you, And enabling you to see things differently. Turn to the Lord. He has a way of leading you and enabling you to see your situation from a different perspective. And to instill hope and peace. So that you can take the next step in faith. Because in Christ, God has come to help his people. Let me finish by telling you, God may not do everything that we ask him to do, but he will do what is best for us and what brings him glory. Do you know that God will always lead you to a place where you can be of glory to him? And sometimes the process that you will go through to get there will not be the one that you would have chosen if you had a choice. Sometimes the process would not be the one that you would enjoy. But it takes you where you can glorify him. And when you realize that, in every situation, you will give thanks. You will be grateful. When you realize that, you will not wait for Thanksgiving Day. You will not wait for that. You will be grateful all day. Because Jesus, who is in you, has come to help God's people. Father, I thank you for your love and for your faithfulness thank you for your son jesus christ who died on the cross he gave up his life so that we can have life i thank you for each one of us here lord and the hope that we have in you thank you for every home Lord, you know where we are coming from and you know the challenges and the struggles and the difficulties that we experience. You know our cry, you can see our tears. You know, Father, that some of us have been wounded and we are yet to heal. Some of us have been betrayed. We have suffered rejection. Some of us, Lord, feel unworthy about ourselves. And we all come to you. We all are looking unto you. We are all waiting on you. May you, Lord, in your own way, minister to each one of us at the point Of our needs. May we experience your healing power. May we experience your comfort. May we experience the joy that comes with knowing you, the joy that comes with submitting to you. May we experience you, Lord, in our lives, so that we too may confidently say that you have come to help God's people. That may, we too may look unto you and glorify God because of what you are doing in our lives. On behalf of your children, Lord, I'm calling on you. Some of us are thinking of our spouses and we're just praying for them. Some of us are thinking of your, our children and our grandchildren, whom you know very well. Some of us are thinking of our siblings, Lord, and the broken relationships of Father and the ones who are lost. And we are looking unto you. We know that in you, God has come to help us. And we are crying for help. Help us, O oh Jesus. Help us, Lord, in our needs. Help us on behalf of our spouses. Help us on behalf of our children and our grandchildren. Help us on behalf of our siblings, on behalf of our parents, on behalf of our neighbors. Help us, Lord. Help us on behalf of those people that we minister to and they need to know you that their eyes may be opened, and that they may realize that you have come to help God's people. Help us, Father, to be like you. So, Lord, that through us you may help those you bring to us. In Jesus' name, amen.